This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Welcome to another edition of One-on-Ones NFL Friday. Mike Watts, Kenny Ducey, Steve Seminary welcoming you inside our Rose Hill Studios. We're in Studio 2 today, so you know a little bit different than usual. Different How are you guys doing, boys? Doing pretty well, Mike, and that was a, an insane game last night. I really wasn't expecting out of the uh, Bucks to, to yeah. perform like that. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot of Bucks vikings because I don't think anybody really saw the Vikings getting crushed the way they got crushed. But we're going to talk Jets and Giants a little bit later. They're both in some tight games last week, so a lot to talk about there. But I, I need to get Pickham out of the way here because yet another good week here by me. I, I need to give myself credit where it's due. Six and one, Kenny. After going two and five, you found it <laughs> in my sophomore week. There it is. Three, is. It's just three straight weeks on the show. Yes, huh? he is six and one. He he is becoming a regular. <laughs> Steve went three and three. Is there anything you have to say for yourself? Took a few gambles last week and didn't pay off, so uh, we'll see what's driving this week. T- taking a few gambles, I respect it. Nick over here went five and two, <clears throat> Mac three and four, and Julian five and two. So Mac kind of bringing up the back of the pack. Fair enough. So so far this year, Nick and Julian tied for second. Ducey eight and six through two weeks. I'm thirty one and fifteen up at the top. You guys have some work to do, but let's go ahead and talk about the Bucks and the Vikings here Thursday night football. And I think two words pretty much take care of this entire game, guys. Doug Martin. Doug Martin was outstanding last night. Steve could tell you about it because he's the fantasy guy. 32 points. That's unheard of. And they kept giving him the ball. He had that, remember that long run after the Freeman pass? And he was really just getting it done every which way. And uh, the, the, the Vikings defense, even though Jared Allen got a little fired up, didn't know what was hitting him. Well, yeah, and Steve, isn't it crazy that the Minnesota defense is actually supposed to be good, right? Well, you said two words, Doug Martin, and yes, he had a monstrous game, but I got two words, Josh Freeman. Yeah. This kid is only 24 years old. People wrote him off after having a pretty bad year last year, but this kid is still fairly young and had a really good year two years ago, and he's had a good few weeks. And I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see how he's doing. Yeah, and Vincent Jackson, I think, was a really big part of how he's he's grown up, and of course, I think Dallas Clark plays a role in it as well now that he's down there, but... I, I I agree. Josh Freeman is a really interesting prospect at this point in time because he did have such a bad year last year. Well, two yeah. years two years ago, uh, Josh Freeman, twenty five touchdowns, six interceptions, almost thirty five hundred yards in wow. sixteen games. He had a very good year in his sophomore year. Still very young, like I said. So this Tampa Bay team has some weapons. And yeah. you know, you're looking at Josh Freeman. The other thing about him, he can get it done with his legs as well as his arm. Now, he only got sacked one time, and you also have to attribute that to the fact that he can get away from pressure, so he really is kind of a dual-threat quarterback, if you will. But you didn't mention Mike Williams, Chris, and I'm, I'm high on Mike Williams because he's been doing a good job for this Bucks, for this Bucks offense, and you double-cover Vincent Jackson, you're going to find Williams open. He's making those catches. Yeah, and, and I want to get your guys' pulse on Christian Ponder because I'll admit, I'm, a I'm couple a weeks ago I was high on him. I really did think that he had finally figured out, and Kenny, I guess I'll start with you. Is he going to be the quarterback who can make the pieces work when you've got guys like Harvin and Peterson? Can he be the guy? Well, you just said 
can you make Harvin and Peterson work? I think anyone. I think Mark <laughs> Sanchez, if, if you want to throw a name out there that you'll stop like, it. You could stop make that Harvin right and now. Peterson work. Okay? This guy is fine. He's got the tools. He, I love his speed, and I love the zip he has on his passes. And I think for those two reasons, he's going to be a pretty good quarterback in this league. Now, he did show it early in the year. I had a bad. I mean, there wasn't a terrible game last night. He was he had 251 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, obviously, not the nearly the night that um, Josh Freeman had. But look, this is a kid on a good young team. You got young pieces like Harvin and Peterson's not too young. Peterson actually might have cost him the game, I think, because the momentum switched when he uh, that that fumble was committed. But again, that that got to be the buck. That's got to be the Bucks defense a little bit. I still like Ponder, and I still like the Vikings uh, in this NFC North. You definitely got to buy into Ponder, especially because the Vikings were planned to be a rebuilding process this year. No right. one thought Minnesota was going to be as good as they have been so far, and a huge reason has been Ponder. Only 24 years old, last year in 11 games, 13 touchdowns, 13 picks. Not great numbers, but pretty good numbers to get acclimated when the league is at a 23-year-old quarterback. So I like Ponder. I like the pieces around him. I think Minnesota is definitely a force. Well, and if Minnesota's a force, did did the Bucks are they actually better than I think maybe a lot of people are giving them credit for? Because they really haven't had a great year either. I, I think that's what made last night so surprising to see the Vikes really getting tossed around by the Buccaneers and, all and night at home. long. Yeah. And at home, a first home loss in, in five games. And, Mike, I mean, I look at the Buccaneers and – you know, they're three and four. They're second in a, in a weaker NFC South, mind you. The Saints are not the same team. The Panthers aren't, have not gotten it figured out either. And, I mean, you know, you do win against the Panthers in week one, but then you lose to Dallas and Washington. Guys in the NFC East that really uh, no one's looking at as great teams lost to the Giants, who we'll get to in a second. They really uh, have been a, a force, I guess you, you can say, in the NFCs, but other than that, I mean, I'm really not that impressed with them. That win last night, though, certainly puts them over the top, and, and Minnesota now has some questions going forward. I think both teams are very similar. Both teams going into the year, not much expected of them, young pieces, and they've both done fairly well. So I think this is a good start for both teams, and hopefully moving forward they can keep getting better. So we'll see whether or not that they are playoff contenders or pretenders as we go towards the later part of the year. I do know one contender, though. I think it's the New York Giants. The funny part about that that chant is actually it was Kenny Ducey, and then we changed it for yeah. Let's Go Giants. But I am a contender all the time. Regardless, we'll see how the contending Giants did last week. 27-23 win over the Redskins. Let's go to Eric Malo's report as he looks into how the Giants did last week and where they're going this week. The Giants squeaked out a win that was tighter than anticipated as they beat the division rival Redskins 27-23. Robert Griffin III showed off his athleticism, keeping the Giants on their heels for the entire 60 minutes. But the Giants needed the win. Not for their regular season record, but for the fact that they were 0-2 in the division before entering this game, and have another big division game this weekend in Dallas against the Cowboys. The Giants have a two-game lead in first place in the division, but Coach Coughlin and the team realize they'll have to play better this week than when they lost to Dallas in the season opener. At Dallas... The opening game of the year, very disappointing for us. We didn't play as well as we hoped to play. Didn't deserve to win. Let's hope we can have a better go of it this week. The good news for the Giants is they are getting healthier. Wide receiver Hakeem Nix is almost back to full health, and while Ahmad Bradshaw is still bothered by a foot injury, it didn't seem to affect him in last week's game, 
it looks like he'll play this weekend. And it's just the opposite for the Cowboys, as both the first and second string running backs are dealing with injuries, and neither may take the field this week. One thing the Giants proved last Sunday was that their defense can handle an electric offense. The Redskins are no joke, and with Tony Romo having his worst season to date, the defense needs to step up again. The pass rush seems to be coming together, and the secondary is getting healthier. I think Eli Manning and the Giants' offense will stay as hot as they have all season, and they'll wake up Monday morning with a 6-2 record. My prediction, Giants 31, Dallas 17. The Giants may be too much to handle right now. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. Eric Mala with I think Mary time he said was was the band he yeah, used. Yeah. I'm always impressed with his music selection. Not to slight Joe Vidiello at all. I'm sure he does good work. We'll find out how he did with the Jets report. But guys, last week RG three comes to town. It's a big game. Giants and, and Redskins, huge divisional game. And I for one was impressed by maybe how the Giants played on you know the throw to Victor Cruz. Other than that, I wasn't really all that impressed by last week at all. No, not at all. I have my not impressed face on right now. No. Like I really didn't think Is that they what were it looks gonna... like. <laughs> no, it's it's oh, that okay. face, but yeah, right. Michaela Maroney. But no, I, I think <laughs> I, I think that the Giants didn't play a good game. I mean, you talk about two New York teams here. The Jets pretty much beat the Patriots and they lost. And I think the Giants got beat last week. I think that that pass on the last play, that's Manning being Manning. He's winning that game late. And I thought RG3, that fourth and 10, that was a moment that I thought was going to define his rookie season because I thought that was going to be the game winner. Perfect throw, too, to Moss on the touchdown pass, and and Manning just silences him. But, I mean, the Giants, they are a force. I don't know if they're unstoppable, as Eric Malo just said, though. The thing is, Kenny, they did win. So it doesn't matter how sloppy they played because this is one of those weeks, I feel like, and the Giants, too, that could have been a trap game. The Redskins are a pretty good team. RG3 has shown a lot of late. So just to come out of there with a victory, I'm sure Tom Coughlin, Eli Manning, everyone is happy. Granted, Eli, not his best game. I just think getting that victory, no matter how they got it, was huge. Well, and I think what what really surprised me about that game was there was no segment of the offense or the defense that really made me go, oh yeah, well they deserve their five and two record. I mean, and and part of that you got to give credit to Shanahan and, and the Redskins. They did play a good game, and there was so much talk about RG three and how good he was after this game. But are are the Giants as good as a five and two record indicates after watching that game? Well, well. It's interesting because the last two weeks, you can really say that they've had their, they've had the, they've had must-win games, which pretty much means they've had their backs against the wall. Even though there's really not that much of a wall there, uh, or there's not that much, I guess there's space between them and the wall. But you're looking at this part of the season, Mike. These are really all must-win games because I've talked about it before on this program. That end of their schedule just not pretty at all. They need to beat Dallas. They need to beat Pittsburgh, and they need to been, they need to beat Cincinnati. And then you know after the bye week. It gets pretty tough, but the Giants, I think they've earned their 5-2 and two record. I really can't see any of these wins. Maybe the Tampa Bay win when they really looked shaky. Eli didn't have a very good first half, and I remember you calling me out because uh, I, 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 criti- I criticized him on right. Twitter, and uh, I said, man, he's not looking elite right now, and uh, he turned it around. But, I mean, the Giants, they really just got to work on being more consistent. This week going to be a pretty good telltale sign of, uh, whether or not they've turned things around completely since that opening night loss to Dallas. Yeah, Steve. I, same question, I guess, goes to you. Five and two. Is it is it about accurate? Yeah. 
mean, the bottom line is Eli Manning is a top three quarterback in this league. I won't say the best because you have Tom Brady, you got Aaron Rodgers, but he is one of the best. So when, when you have a guy like that and an offense like they have and front seven like they have, they're definitely a contender. Obviously, that secondary is a little weak. The defense, not that strong point. But this Giant team has definitely shown that they're probably the supreme talent in the NFC East. A little weak. I think you're starting this week at corner for the Giants. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And uh, why would he start for the Giants? He's wearing a Jets hat today. But... <laughs> Let's talk about that because this is a big game coming up, and another intra-division game here against Dallas. Tony Romo has the weapons. Whether or not he throws five picks again is uh, remains to be seen. But is this, Steve, where, where that secondary that you're talking about being a little weak, is this where that finally comes to roost? Well, one big thing for Dallas is the fact that DeMarco Murray is not playing on Sunday. That's a huge loss for the Cowboys. Obviously, still plenty of weapons with Miles Austin and and Felix Jones Felix playing, Jones. Jason Witten, Des Bryant, Kevin Ogletree, definitely still a lot of weapons. But without DeMarco Murray, big hit for the Cowboys. I think that there's going to be a big test for the Giants because of those weapons, and they may get exposed, and it's going to be a close game, I think. And Jones questionable, so if he can't go and then Murray can't go, then there are real Philip concerns Tanner. there. Philip Tanner, and Philip Tanner did, did a pretty good job filling in for Felix Jones when he was hurt last week. But, I mean, Mike, I, I agree with what Steve said there. I really think that... The Cowboys and Tony Romo, even though he is just as overrated, according to NFL players, as Mark Sanchez is. Oh, boy, is. here we go. Even though Mark Sanchez, I don't really think you can call him overrated because no one thinks he's good. Um, but yep. you look at Tony Romo, I think he's a big weapon for this team, and he's got guys to throw to. Des Bryant and Miles Austin and Jason Witten, and now maybe Felix Jones as a check down if he's in the game. I think that this Giants team, or this Cowboys team, excuse me, has a very good shot. Do you put any weight into the fact that Sean Lee is out for the season oh, on this game? I mean, how much weight goes into that when you're... Because we're going to get predictions in a minute, but how much weight goes into the fact that such a dynamic player like Sean Lee is out? Well, I, it, so much weight because you have Ahmad Bradshaw there who's known to uh, run over defenses at times, and he has had a couple good games this season. But, Mike, I want to talk about the passing game because Lee is going to affect how they stop the run, but I think against the pass, Manning has thrown for at least 306 yards and two touchdowns in all in at least those numbers in all three of his games at Cowboys Stadium and uh, you know you look at a 213 yard performance um, in the season opener with Manning but you know at home I, I still think Manning is going to get it done through the air so that's really their biggest concern well and, and I'll throw this out I guess to Steve Jerry Jones to about a week and a half ago I suppose came out and said that he thought this team was ready to compete for a Super Bowl this year, the the Cowboys, that is. Um, may, maybe I'm the only one who thinks Jerry Jones has lost his marbles, but it, it, it I, I don't see it. Do you? Well, I mean, you have to, if you're Jerry Jones, you have to say that about your team. But the bottom line is this Dallas team hasn't shown to be the best team in their division yet, alone, not even the NFC. But this week's a big, big test because the Giants have lost two division games already. So if the Cowboys could get a victory this week, which they definitely can, that will be huge going forward for their chances at a Super Bowl. It is a road game, and it is a big game against Dallas. And at the end of the day, at least to me, I think Ahmad Bradshaw being questionable, if he's out, I actually think that will help the Giants trying to beat the, the Cowboys. I think DeMarco Murray is a major loss for the Cowboys. I don't think Ahmad Bradshaw is actually a big loss for the Giants. Wait, Maybe I'm wrong. We've seen what the reserves can do. And, hey, as David Wilson said, he's like birth control. He's effective 99.9% uh, of the time, which which Mac and I talked about last week. were pretty uh, ridiculous comments he made. Also said he's a Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, he also said he's going to be a Hall of Famer, too. I mean, this is the reaction that everyone's given right here. It's David Wilson. He's fumbled the football numerous times, even cost games fumbling the football. Is he like 7-Eleven? He's open 24 hours a day? You're like, I don't... I don't. I mean, I don't get it, but I, I, I really think that you're right there. I think that the the reserves for the Giants, Andre Brown, if I, I believe he might be coming back from that concussion, and David Wilson, who's been speedy, I think that they can help the Giants more than Bradshaw can. And again, I talked about Manning. He's going to be big. But Mike, I, I know I'm not the A-host here, but I would like to ask you ah, about the I'm defense. Involved. Now you now you're actually going to get involved, involved in the conversation Trouble. because the Giants were able to sack Tony Romo twice in the season opener, and they didn't even have Pierre Paul Tuck and Yuma, and, and Yuma or they were shut out. Excuse me, they didn't they didn't right. have any contribution from them. So I mean, going forward, that Giants defensive line. Now we know Romo likes to get outside of the pocket. And yeah. elude pressure, but I mean, are they really going to need to step up to yeah, shut that, down that, Romo? What Eastern Illinois came out of? It's that Eastern Illinois running uh, that, that he does. But but look, I mean, when you look at, at that defensive line, I know they started out fairly weakly, as it turns out. I mean, we we look at it now, and it's kind of surprising that he had such a difficult start. But if you look at how the Giants' defensive line has performed over the last few weeks, I feel like even though RG three outran people, I still feel like he was under pressure enough. There were four turnovers from from the Redskins in that game, and I'm not sure where you guys stand on it, but I look at that defensive front. I don't think they've lost anything. I think they could absolutely be a a two, three, or four-sack game for this defensive line coming up this week. And they're only getting better. Chris Canty finally came back last week. That's a huge addition to that front front seven. And Justin Tuck's just starting to get into the swing of things. So this front seven is probably one of the best front sevens in the league, I think. So they're definitely formidable there and definitely get two, three sacks a night. So we'll see what they come out with, and I'll go give me a key to the game that you think will be maybe the deciding factor, and your prediction here for this one, it is a one-point line according to most places, the Giants by one, this is in Dallas. Kenny, we start with you. I think the key to the game, and I'm going to say it's for Dallas, is Tony Romo, and for both sides, really, can you stop Tony Romo, or does Tony Romo have a productive game, because he... I like I'm high on Tony Romo and obviously he we know he loves to make mistakes and when he does he makes them in bunches so slow down Tony Romo and you'll have a good shot at winning the football game especially since he he's known to make bad throws but I, I thought it was interesting everyone on espnnewyork.com picked the Giants and I'm talking like 15 writers and Michael K was the only <laughs> one who taught and picked the the Cowboys so Michael I'm in your corner I got the Cowboys and I'm going to say they win a tight one um, 31 to 28. All right, Steve, ball's in your court. I'm going to be in Michael K's corner here, too. Wow. I just think the key to the game is definitely the defenses for both teams, the Giants secondary, and how Dallas defense responds without Sean Lee. So I think both offenses got pr- a lot of pieces, a lot of pretty dynamic offenses. I think it's going to be a close one, but Dallas 23-20. And we're lucky today that we get to be joined by our Pro Bowl uh, back of the room guys here as, as we are joined by Nick Legerfo and and Julian Atienza boys uh, go ahead let's hear it yeah, someone please um, I'm gonna take the Giants uh, I th- think historically they're a, historically they are a very good road team so um, I'm taking the Giants Giants I take Giants by a field goal key to the game JPP and Justin Tuck get into Tony Romo okay fair enough I'm going with the Giants as well and even though it is on the road the Giants two and one away from whatever the heck you want to call the new Meadowlands I I know we aren't a big fan of of using the (laughs) insurance corporate sponsor of the stadium but (laughs) 
is uh, fair enough. Uh, Giants and Cowboys, they're just too loud in the back. They're making jokes and such. Let's go ahead and go the other direction. Let's hear about the other team that shares that special stadium, the New York Jets. This, this actually has nothing to do with Kenny Ducey this time. I got nothing. Let's go ahead and have Joe Vitiello tell us a little bit about the Jets last week, a big game against the Patriots, and more importantly, where they're headed this week. The Jets lost a tough one to the New England Patriots 29-26 last Sunday in overtime. Gang Green missed a huge opportunity when Stephen Hill dropped a wide-open pass in a tied game with under two minutes remaining. The play would have given the Jets a first down, and allow them to run precious time off the clock before kicking the go-ahead field goal. Instead, they left the pass enough time to tie it and eventually win it in overtime. The bad news is they are now tied for last place. But look at the bright side. They are still only one game back of first with a 2-1 division record. Gang Green now looks forward to another interdivision game, this time in a rematch of Week 3 against the Dolphins. In case you've already forgotten, that's the game where Darrell Revis was injured, and Reggie Bush made those derogatory remarks, basically saying Revis deserved it. Well, the gloves have officially come off. Jets safety LaRon Landry has taunted Bush. Linebacker Aaron Maben has said the Jets want to injure him, legally of course, and Rex Ryan was expecting Bush to apologize. I'm not worried about that. I mean, shoot, uh, you know... I apologize for my comments. I expect him to do the same. He would later confirm that he is expecting an apology before saying that he is not expecting them. So who knows what Rex Ryan is actually expecting. One thing is for sure, though. Bush isn't taking Rex's apology sincerely, nor is he willing to apologize. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out on Sunday. Anyway, getting to the game, the two teams participated in a Week 3 dogfight. But that was when Sanchez was without his safety net, Dustin Keller, and before the offensive line has visibly improved. I think Dan Green will come out fired up on Sunday and dominate the Dolphins. My prediction, Jets 27, Dolphins 10, covering the... I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. Joe Vitiello going with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I think is more impressive than his prediction. We'll talk about that later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I love it. But, guys, uh, last week, let's let's begin there. This has got to be a heartbreaker if you're the Jets. I mean, everything's going right. There's a drop pass in a really bad time late in the fourth quarter that could have really maybe iced the game. You look at, at the fumble from Sanchez, which it would have been third or fourth and very long regardless. I, let's let's go ahead and, and see what you guys think about this because the Jets really had a good chance to unseat the Patriots. Well, first of all, to backtrack a little bit, the Jets chant D-U-C-E. I mean, come on, you could have done better oh, with right, that. Oh, right, of course. But, Mike, I mean, you look at this loss, and I'm still throwing coffee cups over it. I mean, it really, the, the fact of the matter is the Jets beat, as Steve will, I'm sure, say after I do, the Jets beat the Patriots, but just not on the scoreboard. They really outplayed the Patriots. So did they really beat the Patriots? If they, they didn't they beat them on the them. scoreboard, they outplayed them. They outplayed that, them. They that outplayed the Patriots. Almost as good in hand grenades. That, that's. I'm not even going to give the other place that they're good. I, said it, they, I, they, didn't, I didn't say they almost outplayed them. I said they outplayed the Patriots. They, they, out, they should have won if it weren't for Stephen Hill's drop and Mark Sanchez's inopportune fumble. Now, isn't that exactly what the Jets do, though? Oh, the, isn't the, it? The Jets defy logic. The Jets. The Jets never. 
they'll win games they're supposed to lose. They'll lose games they're supposed to win. They'll pretend like they're in a game, and then they'll lose it. And, I, and before I hand off to Steve, I just want to say, that last play, I've been saying it all week. When Mark Sanchez got sacked in the red zone at the end of regulation, I'm sure at least it's like office space. At least five people came up to Mark Sanchez and said, Mark, you got to get rid of the ball. You can't take that sack. So you know what the first, the first instinct he had when he saw a linebacker coming? Get rid of the ball. And as soon as that ball went up, it wasn't coming down. Such a demoralizing loss, a typical Jet loss that was. And the bottom line is, like Kenny said, the Jets won that game not on, on paper, not on the scoreboard. The Jets, I had a problem with the way Tony Sperano called that game. I don't think he called the best possible game. Not enough Tim Tebow. And the Jets basically gave that game away. The drop pass by Stephen Hill is unexcusable. I don't care if you're a rookie. It's a right in the gut. You got to catch right it. There. And this Jet team, it's a shame because they showed up They showed up against Houston. They showed up against New, New England. And this team lacks talent, but they're still showing they can play with the best in the AFC. Well, and you look at the stats. And Mark Sanchez, 28 of 41, 328 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and a lost fumble. Sean Green, 16 carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown. So Green this week maybe came back down to earth a little bit. He had a couple of really good weeks here in the last month and a half or so yeah. where, where he went, okay, maybe he's figuring it out. But this was about an average game for him, I would say. But Sanchez, I thought, statistically played about as good a game as he's ever had in his career. I mean, when you look at the numbers, his completion percentage, I mean, that's impressive, isn't it? He completed 68% of his passes, a career best in a game with 40-plus attempts. Mark Sanchez looked crisp and clean on all his passes on Sunday, made a couple of bad decisions with the fumble, one play where he lofted a pass to Stephen Hill, where he had Sean Green wide open in the flats. Not the best decision, but Sanchez is definitely getting better. And with the help that he has around him, not household names like Jeremy Curley and Jason Hill and Conrad Rulin and Ike Hilliard, he's still doing well. Who? What are you? What are you kidding? Yeah, I have I have my Conrad Rule and bobblehead out. Don't you have your yeah the the, the rookie card for him? Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm not concerned at all, Mike. And, I, and and that Sanchez performance was most of the reason why I'm not concerned if I'm a Jets fan because Mark Sanchez played very well, and I've been saying it for weeks now that Mark Sanchez is a good quarterback. You give him time, he'll do well. Now, given that Patriots pass defense, one of the worst in the league, so we can't read all into this. We can't say Mark Sanchez is back if he was ever there. No. Now, I, I'm, now, I was telling you before the show, he had some memorable playoff performances. In those, when, he, when he did tie that record for most road playoff wins, he had a, a, a long, long pass to Braylon Edwards against the Colts when the Colts were good and they did have Peyton Manning, that guy. Remember him. I, I mean, the Jets... They have to be happy with how Mark Sanchez played, and they have to have confidence in him going forward. Now, Julian, our producer, said Sean Green got hurt. That's an right. issue. But, Mike, look at the upcoming schedule. Seattle, St. Louis, New England, and Arizona. I think they win at least half of those games, and then it only gets easier uh, as my computer freezes, luckily, <laughs> as it goes on for them. I mean, it really – and uh, here we go. Yeah, then they have uh, Jacksonville, Tennessee, San Diego, Buffalo. It could win out on those four games. I mean, it's not that it's not that bad if you're the Jets. They could, but but will they? And I like <laughs> I like where Steve was going with this because he was naming off the many targets that that Mark Sanchez has, or I, I, if you want to even call them targets, it's I wouldn't throw to those on a dartboard. But I mean, Steve, you you were onto something there. I really think you were you were kind of getting somewhere with that point, though. Well, Sunday, obviously, we lost. I'm sorry, not we. The Jets lost. But the bottom line is <laughs> they got to be happy the way they played and how they showed up because Rex Ryan, he's very, he's getting very involved with the players this year more than more than ever. 
And he really wants his team to succeed, and he knows his job is on the line. And possibly with Rebus going down, San Antonio going down, this could have been a 3-13 and season. This could have been a completely lost season, and Rex could have been the fallout guy. But Rex has these guys coming up, coming to play every Sunday, showing up, and this defense looks very good. And this is obviously, Mark Sanchez played better, but this is a testament to Rex Ryan having his players prepared and ready. Yeah, and I've been tough on, on Rex Ryan, but is this his best coaching job that he's ever done as the Jets head coach? No, I, I think you got to look at his rookie season okay. and, and say that was it. Because he's coming into New York, Mike. You know how tough it is to come into New York. Well, you don't personally. Well, I mean, look, living, I, I come from Cleveland where, you know, there's a lot of farmland. And now and, you're coming in here and you're yes, scrutinized. They have right indoor plumbing. They do. <laughs> but Rex Ryan was... was the, all the pressure was on him, and all the pressure was on Mark Sanchez. They're both of those guys. Even though you lose your two best skill position players, and if, and if they win, they, if they get in the playoffs, that's remarkable. If they win a playoff game, that's even better. But let's talk about Mark Sanchez, though. People said when when Holmes went down, look, it's your job. I heard it so many times. It is your job to get the players around you to play better. Now, Jeremy Curley, he's talented. The Jets got him in, I think, the fifth round. This guy looks like an all he looks like a pro bowler right now because of Mark Sanchez. He's hitting him in stride down the field. He's throwing to him over the slant route now giving a couple of those plays Bobby probably Jeremy Curley's doing with his legs, but Sanchez has looked pretty good with a bad cast of receivers. I'm talking Jeff Cumberland bad. Conrad Ruland as he said. He's thrown to Tim Tebow at times. I mean, he has really made a lot of guys around him better. One thing about Sanchez is since Antonio has gone down, he looks very comfortable in the pocket. I don't know if this has any correlation, but without Antonio's presence, this is Mark Sanchez's offense. None of these guys have been here longer than Mark. Mark's the veteran now. Jason Hill, the guys I named off before. These guys are newcomers. Other than Dustin Keller, all these guys are new. This is Mark Sanchez's team now. He's looking getting. He's looking pretty comfortable now. And hopefully this Jet team with the schedule coming up could rattle off some wins and maybe fight for a playoff spot. A la Manning and Shockey, Mike? No. Uh, yes. <laughs> no. Uh, Holmes a bigger loudmouth than Shockey. Admittedly, I have seen the, the stats of Ma- Eli Manning against Mark Sanchez in his first few years. And the only thing different really is, is completion percentage. That's a- about and, it. And uh, a couple AFC championship trips, championship game trips. Fine. I'll, I'm, I'll live with that. Uh, mainly because he's in the NFC. But, uh, guys, let's go ahead and turn to the Dolphins. Speaking of the AFC, this is a game that the Jets, if they have aspirations of making the playoffs, should win. And it comes with a little extra intrigue, and I want to lead with that. Landry uh, came out and said that Reggie Bush uh, 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 should apologize for the Darrell Rivas comment. I know that uh, Rex Ryan came out and said that as well. Uh, what what do you take out of all this, guys? I, I, I At this point, I just think it's a lot of mudslinging, right? I, I don't know. I, I really like this from Landry. He's played very well, let's not mind you. He's played very well this season for the Jets. Probably a lot of the reason why that passing, atta- that passing defense still as good as it is without Revis. Come on. I mean, if someone's attacking Alex Smith in the media, you're going to stand up for him. You're going to say, let's do this. I'm going to take his head off. I mean, now given we don't take people's heads off in radio. Not but that's anymore, how, that's how no. it, that's how it goes in football. Oh, we're talking about our Alex Smith. Yes, not Alex not, Smith. Not 49ers. Alex Smith of the 49ers. I'm about sports manager Alex Smith. Ah. Uh, I, I'm saying that well, I like how fired up Landry's. I like Rex Ryan saying Reggie Bush should apologize. Reggie Bush should apologize. He he was joking about it and insulting someone, the best player on the Jets, who got hurt. Stand up for your guys. That's exactly what the Jets are going to do. And I think they come out with a vengeance. I think Sperano wants to beat these guys into the ground. They only won 23-20 in overtime 
they have to just slaughter the Miami Dolphins this week, and they will. At home, at home, they're going to. That's illegal, right? You can't actually slaughter a Dolphin, can you? I, I don't know. No. Well, you know what I take from all this? That this is a united team. This is a team yeah. that's together and united behind Rex Ryan. I love what Rex is doing right now because this, other than beating Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in consecutive weeks in the postseason, this is his finest work yet. There's not a lot of talent on defense or offense, yet he has this team where they, they should be. Everyone probably would have thought going into the year they would have lost to New England, would have lost to Houston, would have lost to Pittsburgh. And who was the other loss again? Uh... The fourth loss? For Niners? Did you say the 49ers. Niners. Yeah. So those four teams were expected losses. The Jets are exactly where they are, yeah. where, where people thought they would be. If they can win this week, get the 4-4 four and four going into the bye, they're in pretty good shape. They really are. And I, like I mentioned, the, the end of the season, you got four should-win games, and they've been winning the games they should win. Uh, so I, I'll look into the game plan here just a little bit. Let's talk about this game because Steve said he thought Tim Tebow should have played a bigger role in the game against the Patriots, I actually disagree with that. I'll let you get – here's your chance. You're going to play a lawyer. Tell me why I should be on your side. I'm not saying I wanted Tim Tebow throwing 15 passes. Okay. What I am saying is the third and shorts, they should have had Tebow in the game more. The red zone, he should have been in the game more. They settled for field, really? goal. they settled for field goals when they could have had touchdowns. The one key possession was the first, the first possession in the second half. They had third and goal to one-yard line. They, they ran a pass to Chas Jillings, incomplete, settled for the field goal, could have took the one-point lead. Instead, I would have had Tebow win that game, run play up the middle, a little trickery there, third and one, why pass it, have Tebow there. Tebow, the short yard guy, short yard gain, should be to Tim Tebow. Now, let's use law terms, and I interject here, I, I, or I object <laughs> here, Steve, because Objection you, you, just no. said, you just said that they should use Tebow in the red zone in a key opportunity. Well, they had him. In the red zone with a chance to go ahead late in the game, and that was probably Sperano's most criticized move, putting Tebow in there because he did nothing and he slowed Mark Sanchez momentum. And Mark Sanchez probably played as good as we ever seen him played. Mike said it was the greatest game of his career. I why said the not? best statistical game of his career. I yes. will say that because okay. he still lost. So why why do you put Tebow in there in the red zone? Completely disrupted the offense. Might have even lost the game. Like I said, for short yard gains, really only only on the that. ground. Third and Two ones. Yards. They should have had him in the game. Should have ran the strong green. I'm not saying Tim Tebow, but I, I said I questioned Tony Sperano's play calling more so than Tim Tebow playing. Tony Sperano did not call a great game, was questioned by the media for co- the way he called the game, and I just think the Jets could have won the game if not for those few blunders. So we bring in Julian and Nick here as we get ready for our predictions. Guys, should they have used Tebow more? We'll vote here as a three-man panel. I say yes. Yes? Julian? Tebow in the run. All right, fair enough. So... Sorry, Kenny. Not not going to get this one. So the, the panel has voted. I, I mean, I think Tim Tebow should play more. <laughs> I just said I think it was ridiculous. He said he should have been in the red zone in that game. Eh, fair enough. Not every play. <laughs> we'll, we'll see where things shake out this week. A little dolphin, uh, little dolphin jet uh, on violence here coming up here. Let's go to predictions here. Give me the key portion to this game, the, the key point that you're looking at, and who's going to end up winning this one, Kenny. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to make my prediction here. I got the Jets, and uh, I, I hear an echo of myself. I, I think that the Jets are going to win this game 28-10. I, I like Joe Vidiello's prediction. You didn't like it as much. Now, uh, Michael K. I just like making fun of him. Michael K. did pick the Dolphins in this one, so I'm sorry, Michael. Can't go with you. Got to go with 
uh, Ryan Rucco's pick here. But I, I think the key to the game, once again, it's Mark Sanchez. It's always Mark Sanchez. And the fact of the, the, fact of the matter is that he's going to have another great game against a weaker, de- uh, not as weak as the Patriots, but a weak defense. Not a very good matchup for the Dolphins going forward. I think he's going to have a good game. He's got to throw to Dustin Keller, though. Key to the game is Reggie Bush. I like that. How Reggie Reggie Bush so far had a pretty solid season, a little banged up injury-wise, so if he could have a big game, Miami could definitely win this game. Miami has the talent to beat the Jets. Both teams aren't that talented, so I think it's going to be a close one, not a blowout like Kenny thinks. Mm. 24-14 maybe Jets, I'll say. All right, let's go to the men behind the glass here, LeGerfo. Yeah, I think the Jets are going to win this one. Uh, I'm going to go 21-17. Another Jets. Julian? I'll, I always take the Jets. I'll get, get the Jets. I'll get the Jets by uh, Jets by four. Um, key to the game is um, stopping the run. They've been pretty. They've done, they did a better job against New England. They got to do a better job with Miami. All right, Julian. I like where you're going with that, and because I think Reggie Bush is the key to the game, and I think, of course, the Jets' run defense will be the way to stop him. I'm going to go with Julian on this one and, and go with Jets. I don't think I've gone with them in quite a while, but I will go Jets, and I'll say they win by 10 points. Let's go ahead and switch gears here. Let's not talk about New York teams for a minute. Let's talk about the league, the entire association, if you will. And in the NFL, one of the big stories going on this week, Paul Tagliabue was appointed to hear the Saints' bounty case. And there's a concern on the part of the NFLPA because Tagliabue is part of a law firm that has argued the case for the NFL throughout the process, and it seems to me that's part of it, but they're good friends, Goodell and Tagliabue. Their mentor-mentee relationship may play a role. I actually think Tagliabue shouldn't be involved. And I'm getting the, the, the look from Kenny that says I'm wrong. I, I just think it's funny. Mike. I think this whole thing is so funny that everyone's calling out. Now, Goodell's a real nice guy. Everyone's calling him out saying, man, he can't do this. He can't. He was the one who issued the punishments. He can't review this. He can't hear the appeals. So you know what he goes? He goes, fine, fine. You win. The other commission, the, the last commissioner is going to hear your appeals. And then they're going, whoa, well, this isn't an outrage because he was a part of that law firm. So I feel like anyone who Goodell... And now I would, I mean, I would say Tad Lubu probably the next qualified, the next most qualified guy to handle this because he's been the commissioner before and handled situations kind of similar to this. So I mean, who else? I mean, are they going to keep going through people and finding, you know, problems with them until eventually the whole league just goes fine? You're not suspended anymore, and it's going to be week 13. I mean, this is just it's comical. Like now, Steve looks like he disagrees with someone. I don't know if it's me or Kenny. No, no, just for me, this feels like it's going on longer than the whole Brett Favre retired, non-retired <laughs> gate or whatever the saga. So this has been going on for a, a long time now. It's already week eight, and the NFL needs to move on, and they need to get past this. They need they need to figure it out and come to a conclusion really soon. So all right, I'll say it. Uh, we've gone eight weeks with this. Those players have played. Should they be suspended at all anymore? And to be honest, yep. I don't think so. Why? I really don't think so because at this point, you've made your point. At the very least, cut the suspensions down. At this point, they're already part of the teams. You're penalizing the teams more than the players. And for some of these players, they aren't on the team they initially got in trouble with. I don't, I don't really care, Mike. They got, they got disciplined 
Keep them disciplined. Why reduce the penalty? They already did. Why take out the... You reduce them, and it makes Goodell look very soft. I actually wrote an article about this. I'm oh. really very upset that the, of the fact that you lay down the law. You are the commissioner. You run the league. You lay down this law. Now, why all of a sudden are you going to backtrack? Why are you going to say, oh, you know what? I, I'm, I might have been wrong. I might have been real wrong about this. Why reduce these... Or Why reduce them at all? I was upset they let Sean Payton go to Drew Brees' game. Why would in the world would you take these suspensions away once you conducted a, an assessment of whether or not this team did something guilty of being these players did something guilty of being suspended for a full year? Determine they did, issue it. You you deal with the fallout, and now all of a sudden you're going to say, "Whoa, I, I was wrong here. I shouldn't have done that." This outrages me. Well, what's wrong with Sean Payton going to that game? Because what? he shouldn't be seeing an NFL field, Mike. He shouldn't be seeing it. He was disciplined. He was punished. Oh, I, hold on. Let me go pull his cable so he can't watch an NFL. He should be field. yelling. You've got to be He should be yelling me. and giving Drew Brees a standing ovation from his couch. He should be doing you're, because you're, you're because, saying his because, closest friend and the guy who saved his career. Yes. Should be the one yeah. who doesn't get to go when the league currently can't even decide if the players themselves are actually suspended. Mike, we are not the commissioner. The commissioner made this decision. He came out. He said, look, Sean Payton did something wrong here. Sean Payton is guilty, and he should be punished to, to, to a, for, a, for a season. And he punished many other players. He was the one who conducted an investigation. So why, well, all of a sudden, would we not trust the commissioner's word? He has to be trusted in this case, and that is why I didn't like that. Because if he determined that this guy shouldn't be on a field coaching his team for a whole season, why all of a sudden let him enjoy himself, get all the, you know, that's like saying, okay, Tommy, you can't watch TV tonight. Oh, but it's the series finale of The Office. Okay, now you can watch it. I mean, because no, it's a historical no. moment, and, and that's I, part of the punishment. Steve, Mike, that's you agree saying. with me, right? Come on, Steve. Part yeah, of the punishment. I, I agree with Mike Thank 100% you. here. Everyone agrees. Everyone, I don't have the a bottom, popular opinion. The bottom line that. is, Kenny, this is getting to the point of ridiculous and annoying. It's no longer a case anymore because the bottom line is it's over. This is long in the past. The players right. who got penalized, they're playing. Sean Payne's not coaching. The Saints is suffering. This case is over with now. I need to stop be talking about. And I think the crazy part about Thank this you. is, is why does it matter if he, it, he, he already lost a year of his coaching career? This is a Saints team that with him actually has a chance to make a run, and instead he's sitting on the couch as it is. So going to see whether or not Drew Brees breaks this record or not I think is rather insignificant, but... That aside, there's so much to talk about because this is not the only talk of big Believe hits it or not. here this week. Monday Night Football, Jay Cutler was absolutely annihilated by Indomitian Sue, <laughs> but it's a legal hit. I, I actually agree with the sentiment. Steve, did you see the hit? Did you think it was legal? I, I thought it was legal. I mean, you know Indomitian Sue is going to lay a tough hit, and he's one of the dirty players, say, in this league. But the bottom line is Jay Carl is taking a beating all year long from players. So this is not nothing new for Jay or, or you know, or, and, or and from fan, the media so, yeah. and from his own teammates. I mean, he takes a beating from pretty much everyone. I, you sound I, like a Jay Cutler sympathizer, Kenny. I'm not. I, I, I actually happen to like uh -oh. Jay Cutler. I'm not a I'm not a Mark Sanchez uh, status right here with Jay Cutler. But I will say that uh, I, I completely agree with the fact that it's a legal hit. Sue just lit him up and he's been known to do that. So, I mean, you have to expect at least to get one big hit. And you can't automatically punish Sue, Sue every time he has that kind of hit. I don't understand. And, and I mean, that's like saying, okay, Troy Polamalu. All of a sudden, you got to start punishing him. So it, it's it's a big hit here. Obviously, people concerned about it. 
And there's talk about whether or not you actually have the right. Now, looking back on it, it looked like he threw his forearm against the helmet of Cutler and then kind of took him down from the bottom and then toppled him on his head. At what point does protecting a quarterback become involved in this? Because this isn't just a receiver who that's part of the job description. This is a sitting duck, a, a quarterback who isn't expected to be ready to move like that. And to me, I'm sitting here going, if I'm a Bears fan, that's my franchise quarterback. What if he got seriously hurt? These quarterbacks get plenty of protection nowadays. This is the NFL. Doesn't this fall under that protection, though? I mean, yes, it was a nasty hit and borderline legal or illegal. But the bottom line is, like I said, this is the NFL. You're going to get hit. You got to expect it. You, You get up from it. You keep playing like you did and you move on. I, I just I still think that I agree with Steve. I, I still think that this is a legal hit. It happens, and they their quarterbacks have gotten so much protection, Mike. You can't even touch them. So I'm actually kind of glad that. Well, clearly when, you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This week, I'm glad that that happened. Fair enough. Well, there is uh, one other big story that I want to talk about here this week. It is the Patriots Rams game being played overseas. The Bills may be going to play some games in Canada, but. There's always this game now in London at Wembley Stadium, and the Rams have signed on to take several of these games. They'll play the Pats over there. Rams left early in the week. The Pats left yesterday, I believe. They left Aaron Hernandez. But uh, we'll lead off with what do you think this game actually does for the league? In the middle of a season to send a team overseas, what do you guys think? I I think it's pretty big for the NFL to try, just to try and get fans overseas in London. Now, obviously, it's it's not, you know, Europe – they are used to soccer. I don't think they're going to really latch on to football. Even rugby they like. And there is a lot of conf- – I mean, the people love the kickers in, in, the, in the game. So I think Ryan Lindell might be getting a, a – and Stephen Guskowski might be getting some applause. But uh, I think it is good to try to grow the product. I just don't know if it's 100% effective. But, I mean, it's something you kind of have to do. you got to have to go around the world. I mean, it's just healthy for the NFL. I think it's great for the league because unlike basketball, there's no Olympics. Unlike baseball, there's no World Baseball Classic. So the NFL needs to reach overseas, and this is a good way to do so. One thing, though, obviously, is the players midweek traveling to London, traveling back from London, not right. easy. So that's the one concern. But if all the teams end up doing it, it balances. It's a good way to expand the horizons. Well, and, of course, not every team's going to be able to do it because you're only moving one game a year. So that's two teams. The Rams will likely continue to do it because of a concern they had with St. Louis, and quickly, does this affect the Patriots or the Rams for the weeks after it? Does this provide a competitive disadvantage from that lag, from that trip that you need to make that is overseas, a major trip? Does it make a difference? I I, I mean, it always does, Mike. I really think it it does. Now, is it going to make a difference in their win-loss record? Now, that's a different story, but how Tom Brady plays, I mean— we all know he's a pretty boy. You know he might be. He oh, might have boy. some late nights out there. I mean, you just never know about about the NFL and and players going overseas. But I mean, I don't think ultimately it's going to be a huge impact. Um, it, I mean, they do play Indy the next week. So are they really going to lose badly to Indy? Uh, I mean, like, actually, the way they played against the Jets, you never know. Well, you could look at it two ways. Obviously, the time difference and jet lag will play a factor. But this brings teams closer together, going on the road to a different different country with your teammates. You get, you know, you spend time together, and it's a good, it's a good thing too when teams go away like this on these road trips and they spend time together. It's a good, good way to gel the team and acclimate yourself with one another. So I think it's a good thing and a bad thing, maybe. That's sweet, Steve. So the NFL going overseas a little bit, but the best fantasy guru here at WFUV's got some picks for us. Let's go ahead and go to some fantasy football.
It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus, start them or sit them to help you win your league. Well, actually, Mike, uh, I think I beat Steve last week. Isn't that right, Steve? Yep. Yep. So, I'm the top guru. Yes, Kenny with exactly one week beating Steve. Uh, Steve must have had a down week. But this week, he comes back with the best picks in the business. Steve, let's start with quarterbacks because, of course, that's, that's where most people are looking who exactly is is the man you'd start this week? Well, I know you guys know me. I've been a big fan all season. But once again, I would have Andrew Luck in my starting lineup. Despite being on the road, the Colts are going up against a Titan defense that has allowed multiple passing touchdowns in all but one game this season. I like what Luck's been doing. I think he'll have a big week this week. And I also like Michael Vick. Despite the poor play he started off with, he's getting back on track, accumulating at least 19 fantasy points in four of his last six. And his, and his best game was his best one. Vic's been coming off. He's, Vic has been very good coming off bye weeks in his history. I think this week coming off the bye against Atlanta, his former team, he will have a good week as well. Now before we get to your sit Steve, throw in Mark Sanchez against Miami. It is oh, they, do, they do allow the 19th, or they are 19th <laughs> in allowing points to uh, a opposing quarterbacks. So they do like to let up fantasy points. What do you think with him and who's, who are you sitting? Well, depending on how desperate you are, yes, you could start Mark Sanchez. <laughs> I mean, I'm in a two QB league, and I beat you. I beat him with Mark Sanchez last week. So, uh, you know, why don't you why don't you suck on those eggs? It's, oh boy, there's definitely worse options than Sanchez. But I mean, it depends how deep your league is. If your league is deep enough, and Sanchez would be a viable option this week against Miami. Obviously, like I said earlier, not the best weapons around him, but still, Sanchez is getting better and could have a two touchdown game, put up some solid points. But let's move to sit him. One big fantasy disappointment this year is Matthew Stafford. Oh, boy. You're sitting Matt Stafford. Yeah, I would sit Matthew Stafford this week against a stingy Seattle defense who was only allowed one quarterback the top 15 fantasy point, which was Tom Brady. Other than that, they shut down Tony Romo, Aaron Rodgers, and Cam Newton. This Seattle defense is serious, and I think I would stay away from Matthew Stafford this week. So Matthew Stafford a no-go here for Steve Seminary. Let's go to running backs here and – Obviously, it's too late to say Doug Martin. Who else do you have? <laughs> well, with injuries starting to pile up, Maurice Jones drew now on the shelf for the Jaguars. I like Rashad Jennings. He will see most of the carries, and he showed last week what he's capable of doing, having 102 total yards and a touchdown against the Raiders. So I think Rashad Jennings is a solid option, as well as Packers running back Alex Green, with Cedric Benson out and James Starks not doing so well. He will. He is the main back, and he will see the majority of the load. He should get 20 carries for the third consecutive week, and against a weak Jacksonville defense, I think he will have a good week. And that's an interesting game to keep your eye out on. Green Bay, Jacksonville, a lot of running backs in that one. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you think about Donald Brown? He's finally coming back off an injury, playing the Titans. What do you expect out of him? Is he a short start for you? Because some, some guys like myself usually put him at the flex. Yeah, I, would, I, I, I wouldn't say a short start because he is – coming back from injury, and this is his first game back, and Vic Ballard proved to be a serviceable running back. Vic Ballard. He proved hey, it worked, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah, he, he played Donald pretty solid in his absence, so I think if you need a starter, yes, you could start Donald Brown, but if not, Vic Ballard probably will see some of the carries, and maybe next week you'll see Donald Brown get back in the full swing of things. Okay, so there's some guys to look out for. Is there someone that you're looking at where there's just no way he's going to have a good week? Well, like we talked about London before, I would sit Steven Jackson against the Patriots. Interesting. The Patriots should be able to contain Jackson, who has been limited to 12 carries each of the past two games with the emergence of Daryl Richardson now at tailback for the Rams. So I just think that 
that Steven Jackson, his days pretty much over fantasy wise. Well, and is that just this year you think, or do you think maybe they aren't utilizing him in, in St. Louis or is this really it for what's been maybe the best fantasy back of the past couple of years because Ooh, of his dual well, threat? I, uh, Steven Jackson, he's when he's healthy, is as good as it gets. That's some good seasons. Think with Steven Jackson, he's so underrated. Look at Kenny the way he's bashing on him. Steven I Jackson. Don't, whoa, 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 I did not bash Steven Jackson. I owned Steven Jackson for three straight years, mind you, five years back. He was good five years ago. Not anymore. No, I'm bashing saying, him. I'm saying in terms of Don't you question my fantasy integrity here, Mr. Seminary. I'm saying as a player in general, though, in the last decade, Steven Jackson has been one of the better running backs in the league. And yeah. Not a lot of publicity surrounding Steven Jackson. So I think, though, the bottom line is running backs are like cars. Once you get a certain amount of miles, really not much left. And 10 years, a long time in this league, I think Steven Jackson, the best days are way behind them. I can't believe with Chris Johnson, the way he rushed the last two years, you can't say he was the best. Or, or yeah, two, two years ago, he was great, better than Steven Jackson. Continue, Mike. I, I'm sure because of his, his longevity, this year he's been so good. But uh, oh, he's of him a near fine. All right, all right, game. all right, relax here, all right? Wide receivers, we got to start hustling through here. Steve, give me a couple guys you're starting this week. I like Randall Cobb with the Packers this week. He had another good outing last week against the Rams with 21 fantasy points, and he now has 45 fantasy points in his last three games. He has a favorable matchup this week against the Jaguars, who have allowed five touchdowns to opposing receivers so far. So I like, I like Cobb a lot, and I also like Lance Moore of the Saints. He should remain heavily involved in the Saints offense with no running game, and Jimmy Graham banged up. So the two guys that I would get in my lineup. No love for Josh Gordon there, Mike. No love for Josh Gordon. Can't believe I, it. I, I no, I can't believe it. Is there someone you're sitting whose name is hopefully not Josh Gordon? Well, we talked about that Jet game earlier. I would say Brian Hardline of the Dolphins. He's going to be going up against Antonio Cromarty, who has done a stellar job stepping up for Darrell Revis. He shut down Andre Johnson, shut down Reggie Wayne and Brandon Lloyd. So I would stay away from. I would stay away from Cromarty Island. Cromarty Island. Maybe Cromarty Peninsula. <laughs> There's a little bit out there. There's something. You can reach it, but you have to get to a very small bridge. Uh, the tight end position, who are you looking at this week as being successful? Well, last week I said Dustin Keller, and I was right. He had a touchdown, came back. Him and Sanchez connected well early and often. So I think this week, once again, looking at waiver wide, Dustin Keller is still a free agent in a lot of leagues. I would look for Dustin Keller this week to have a good week. With Mark Sanchez getting getting back on track, playing well against Miami. Quickly, does Vernon Davis turn it around? He's been awful the past couple weeks. Depends on Alex Smith. Is he going to remain Alex Smith, or is he going to show what he did last year? Let's, let's, ask, <laughs> let's ask our sports manager. Who is Alex Smith? At this point, I really don't know. Let's, I don't think anyone knows. Let's ask our sports knows. manager. Uh, well, yeah, I should go ask 49ers QB. Quick uh, last two positions here. Let's talk kicker and defense and special teams. Who are you looking at? Well, kicker this week, I like Nick Folk. He hasn't missed a field goal so far. Obviously, I'm staying with a Jet, a little biased there. But Nick Folk hasn't missed a field goal yet. They're playing Miami, pretty decent defense. Maybe we'll see Nick Folk getting out there. Came down to field goals last time. And defense, who are you looking at? I like Seattle's defense yeah. against the Lions. I don't think Matthew Stafford's going to have a good week. And that, de- that, that Detroit team is just lost right now. They're going to continue to suffer, I think, against Seattle. Disagree. He disagrees. Fair enough. Steve Seminary with us all show, but especially so here during this fantasy segment. Good stuff. But who cares if fantasy's right if you don't get pick them? Let's go to that, huh? Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. 
I live for this music. This I don't great. know if they know, but I live for this. Guess who comes up? We get everybody involved here in Pick'em this week as we get ready to go here. Let's start with Redskins at Steelers. Of course, we already got the Jets and the Giants. Kenny, who are you taking this one in Pittsburgh? Taking the Skins. The, the skins. Pittsburgh Steelers don't have it this year, Mike. I'm going to have to go with the Skins as well. RG3 running, running all over that defense. We got Nick and Julian. Nick. Uh, I'm taking the Steelers. Steelers. Steel Town. Stellars. It's up to me to break it up. I'm going Redskins. Ooh. On the road, coming up with the win. Hot Atlanta. See, I read off the sheet. My bad. Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta at Philadelphia. I know we've got a split over there, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Kenny, who are you taking? The streak's coming to an end, my friend. Philadelphia is going to win. Uh, me and Kenny today agreeing all the time. Wow, I look like at Philly. this. Jets fans. I don't like that I'm going to agree with you in a minute, but go ahead, guys. Yeah, I'm taking Philly as well. Wow, everyone. Nope, I'm taking hot yes. Atlanta. Hey, there yes. we go. All right, Atlanta. fair enough. Everybody thinks that uh, Atlanta's, you know, on the brink of having lost. They did play poorly against Oakland last week. They bounced back this week. Michael Turner's their running back, though. <laughs> the Turner, the burner. I'm going with Philadelphia as well. This one at the link. And, of course, new defensive coordinator. We'll see how that works out. Saints are in Denver at the Mile High City. Who's winning that one, Steve? Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Kenny. Oh, Manning all day. That Breeze can't touch Manning right now. Julian. Manning. Yeah, I'm Nick. taking the Broncos as well. Wow, everyone's going Broncos here because we know what's up. We're going with Manning. And Willis McGay. As we should. That's right. And, of course, Willis McGay. Why are we bringing up yeah. the running backs, especially <laughs> the older ones? 49ers at, at, are at Arizona, and I would be disappointed if no one picked John Skelton to win this game. But we'll find out. Let's start with Kenny. Uh, number one, I'm going to go with the Niners. Niners, Steve. Yeah, you got to go 49ers in this one. Nick? Niners. Julian? 49ers. Ooh. 49ers. I don't have it in me. Looms. It is. Disappointment does loom. The toilet bowl. One team has got to win, right? It's going to be the Raiders at the Chiefs. New starting quarterback, of course, in Kansas City, Brady Quinn. I love him. Do, I, do I you love, love him enough to pick him, Kenny Ducey? I love Brady Quinn, and I, like I am Quinn going too. to pick the Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. 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 I love Brady Quinn, but I'm going to pick up one. All right, I'll take Brady Quinn. This is getting really disappointing. No one's taking anyone. So I'll go with Kansas City at for, Arrowhead. For the Quinn. <laughs> for the Quinn, yes. FTQ. Uh, on Twitter, of course. Upset pick of the week. Kenny, who are you taking, man? Uh, you know what? I think at this point, any win for the Jets is considered an upset. So I'm going to go with the Jets. Jets. Hey, you can't, can you do that? I, I don't know. Can I do No, that? you can't take two Fine. teams twice. Ten we, Tennessee over Indy. Tennessee over Indy. I don't think that's even an upset. Steve. Yeah, yeah it is. Your Cleveland Browns yes. over the Chargers. All right, fair enough, Nick. And I'm taking the real upset of the Tennessee game, which is Indy over yes. Tennessee. Uh, now, of course, the lines are different, but I'll take it. Fair enough. All right, I'm going to go out on the limb. Cam Newton gets it done against Chicago. Cam Newton, fair enough. I'm going with Seattle over Detroit at Ford Field. So there's our upset picks here this week. Guys, I, I think that just about covers it. Good work here, all right? Except for that upset, though. Except for that upset. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'm questioning whether or not that's the, the legality of that. I Guys, was sacked like Rob Ninkovich got sacked. <laughs> any comments here going into this week, something that you're looking out for? I, I think Tim Tebow is going to be featured a lot because Ferrano got all that heat. All right. Steve? Since I picked your Browns, I'm looking for Brandon Whedon this week. Brandon Whedon. My boy. Fair enough. 
for Julian Atienza and Nick Legerfo. Technically not behind the glass today here in Studio 2, running the reels for Kenny Ducey and Steve Seminary across the table from me. I'm Mike Watts. Go Browns. This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.